0: The ride, oh Paying. wait a minute, Peter. We uh, we need to talk. Well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now if you let me. But what do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You, you have all those weird experiments in, in your in your room. You you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Yeah, well, you sure as hell finish. What was I supposed to do, run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away, but... Pete, look, you're changing. I know, I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Are you afraid that I'm going to turn into some kind of criminal? Quit worrying about me, okay? Something's different. I'll figure it out. Stop lecturing me, please. I don't mean to lecture and I don't mean to preach. And I know I'm not your father. Then stop pretending to be. Pick up here at 10.
1: Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and welcoming a new guest today, and that is August Aguilar. August, how you doing today?
2: Man, I'm doing great. Thanks, Perry. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. Well,
1: thanks for uh, accepting the invite. I'm excited, too. You're, um... Thanks to you, we are finally closing the book on the Raimi films, and we've gone in reverse order, actually. We started with Spider-Man 3, uh, then uh, a few months later we did Spider-Man 2, and now finally we're doing um, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man from 2002. Which is um, so
2: weird to me, because I thought I, I thought for sure when I was looking at your list, I was like, oh man, I don't know what to pick. I saw everything was like already taken, and I was like, oh man, well, Spider-Man, the Raimi trilogy especially, is kind of really close to home for me. So I was like, when I got down to that list, I saw the first one wasn't there. I was just so surprised because
1: that one I felt like would be up for grabs right off the bat, you know, one. I two, know especially. it's, it's, it's funny because, um, well, I mean the first part of this show, like the first 60 episodes, I was doing it with my, my late co host, and we were going back and forth. We would, you know, one of us pick a movie one week, the other one pick another the movie the next week. And he always liked to go for, um, Sometimes he liked to do the big budget stuff, the ones that are more well-known, but sometimes mm-hmm. he wanted to go for the more obscure stuff that people haven't really seen. Um, so a lot of – so especially early on, we didn't get to a lot of the big ones. And then now since I've been having the guest format, I think a lot of people were probably like you. They probably just assumed, oh, yeah, he's probably already done like Spider-Man and the yeah, Dark Knight yeah. and all that. But But yeah, those are – those are actually two movies. We still haven't done the Dark Knight actually either. That's one that's still oh, a big man, hole in the too. Yeah. That's another
2: I mean, that would have been another one I'm like, yeah, dude, Dark Knight, mm-hmm. I could talk about that all day, you know? Yeah. But me and me and my friends, uh my my co-host on my podcast, we talk about the the Sam Really Sam Raimi trilogy all the time. And it's just funny because after we just got done talking about that and then me and you you know, touch base and I saw your list and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, this is so perfect. And I just rewatched Spider-Man one and two just like about like three, two or three weeks ago. But it was just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those things where it was like everything kind of
1: at the same time hap clicked, you know, I was like, wow, this, that's pretty neat. So, Always nice when that happens. Um, yeah. Before we jump too much into the movie, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. So um, I'm a filmmaker. Um, I, I'm, I'm a, I run a production company called strange films. Uh, so we do a lot of independent horror films. Mostly. Um, we, we kind of do like the Marvel storytelling approach where it's like everything's existing in a shared universe. So there's a lot of different characters you will see pop up every once in a while, or there's like sequels to, uh, some of these films and just things like that. But everything, you know, even if you're watching a standalone approach, like it's, it's very, um, it, uh, Friendly as far as anybody watching, you know, like anyone can just pick up anywhere and watch. Um, but Strange Films expands not only from the movie side of things, but we adapt our movies into comic books. Since I'm such a comic book nerd, I love. I grew up reading comics and everything as well, and uh, so we do comic books, we make music and art, and we do podcasts and everything as well. So it's a very it's a multimedia experience. I I try to pitch it as a multimedia production company. Um, but yeah, that's what we do. We, uh, we make, uh, I'm a, I'm the director and creator of everything. So I'm pretty much, my hands are on every single project and, uh, I'm just trying to, trying to get our stuff out there, you know?
1: Awesome. So, um, with these horror films, what's the kind of like style, like, is it like supernatural horror? Is it like, you know, more real world style horror? What kind of, uh, feel do you go for with them?
2: It's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, so I can say firmly that, the style and aesthetic of all the films, everything you watch is really 70s and 80s horror like John Carpenter, uh, just, you know, in that vein of of filmmaking and, uh, and direction. But uh, as far as like, you know, the themes of what's going on in every movie, it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. So we've got movies that involve like serial killers. Uh, we've got uh, things that are like creature features. Um, we have like demons. We've got aliens in one of them. Uh, we've got just like your run of the mill crazy person, you know, you know, just like anything, anything that is I think we call strange or bizarre is kind of where I fall into the the category of our of our work. It doesn't have to be something so specific, but it's mm-hmm. definitely influenced uh, very much so by uh, the 70s and 80s. So like I have one film that's s- like super influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original in uh, my newest film I just made is very much influenced by John carpenter's Halloween so it's just you know those kind of aesthetics you'll see consistently throughout all of our work but it's uh it's a lot of um, different kinds of
1: characters and themes going on throughout it awesome um where can people watch these too
2: yeah so all of our films are available to watch anytime for free on our website strangefilmstudios.com or you can go to youtube and just Look up Strange Films, Strange Film Studios, and you'll find all of our films on there. Uh, like I said, they're free to watch. They're anywhere from, well, uh, we mostly are, they're short, so anywhere from 5 to like 26 minutes long. But the newest one I just put out is called He Comes to Kill, and it's uh, 50 minutes long. So it's our first micro-feature film that's out, and it's actually doing really well on YouTube right now. So just look up He Comes to Kill, and you'll find that.
1: Awesome. Very cool. Um, we have to talk off mic cause I do, I do some comic book stuff too and writing. So <laughs> we'll have to touch base off yeah. mic of that, but, sure, um, of course. So, uh, now jumping into the superhero side of things, uh, what kind of got you interested in n- maybe Spider-Man specifically or, or superheroes in general?
2: Man, it just began when I was like, like, like such a young age, you don't really even know what's going, going on. You know, you just get handed things and you know, mm-hmm. you just, that, interest immediately sparks you, you know, and I remember specifically one Christmas, my uncle got me two VHS copies of the original um, animated X-Men series, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know, they had like two or three episodes on each VHS. Or right. Whatever. Yeah, I remember um, those. He all, yeah. And so it was like one of those. He also got me a stack of comic books and it was anything from. I mean a lot of Marvel, a lot of DC, Justice League, Superman, Man of Steel, um Spider-Man, everything I mean anything you can think of the the hits. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of indie stuff in there too, which at the time I mean I didn't know anything about, you know, but like it was just really interesting to see all these different covers and all these different like characters and and I remember being really interested in these um these stories, especially because superheroes were like these these guys and gals who just were fighting crime or these villains i love villains too at an early age Mm -hmm. too just like venom and things like that and i just thought it was really interesting because it's all in this big massive world that expands to other worlds and there's Mm -hmm. they cross paths every once in a while and you know whatever so it was just like year after year i was getting handed down these things different comic collections from my my uncle my grandfather my dad um, and then, you know, obviously when I'm getting old enough to watch movies and stuff, I'm watching these old old school, like, I think, uh, I can't remember what some of the earliest stuff, but I mean like Fantastic Four, the early Fantastic Four and Ghost Oh, Fighter, the, the Roger like, Corman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like stuff like that. You know, you're just watching things and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But also I grew up on those Fox cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, shows like all the X-Men and, uh, Spider-Man and, you know, yeah, I watched the Batman animated series, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm watching all these cartoons in general, with all the comics and everything paired hand in hand. Uh, you know, I, I collected Pokemon, which I think all that stuff just really like, you know, Pokemon's not superheroes, but, but kind of hand in hand. It's just all that pop culture just really distilled that love for mm. pop culture and comic books specifically. So uh, growing up, I just was immediately a fanboy. I remember when the first Iron Man came out, uh, you know, and it, that end tag where Nick Fury comes out and mm-hmm. is like, "We're going to do the Avengers uh, protocol." I lost my, you know, I dude, I was like, I went bananas, dude. And at that time, what? That's two thousand eight, I think. Uh, yeah, two thousand eight. Like, yeah, so I think I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, and I still was at that time. I knew, you know, what that meant, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is." I can't believe they're doing this. Yeah, and now we're at this point where it's like, okay, we're, <laughs> we're there's actually a little maybe too much going on, but but it's still just it's you know I, I get excited about all that stuff still. You mm-hmm. know, I'm just, that little kid in me screams you know uh, superheroes and comic books, movies and and everything and else be- in between. And uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 very exciting. You know, I've got a
1: son now, so I'm really excited to
2: share all mm-hmm. that with him when as he's growing up.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, I've got two kids too. I've got a, a son and oh, yeah. daughter. They're both uh, they're both under two right now, so they're not quite in that space. But I'm trying to trying to start grooming them early. Like I've got um, I got them like a little Groot stuffed animal and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, we got they got like Batman outfits, and so oh, um, great. I've already got my daughter hooked. She's hooked on the Peacemaker intro song. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah. I was watching. That's- I was binging that series when we covered it and every time that intro came on you don't want to skip that intro and she just loved that song no. so like every, well, now funny. she still yeah. listens to it all the time
2: Yeah it's funny my kid he's uh my son he's um he's almost 2 be 2 like 3 months and um and he you know it's funny when he he registers when he hears something over and over again, like a mm-hmm. theme song of an intro or something like that. Cause he'll be doing playing with a book or toys or whatever. Once he hears that theme song, it whoop, whoop, yep. turns his head. <laughs> and so it's funny because I know exactly what that means. Yeah. yeah. So you're watching that on repeat. She's probably like, Whoa, Hey. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <yeah. laughs>
1: so, um, but yeah, I think we're roughly, uh, I'm a little bit older than you, but, Still, about roughly the same generation, I think most people of our generation they came in through like that x men animated series yeah. or um or spider man or or Batman the animated series, and then that kind of was like our gateway into into comics and all that and obviously it's influenced you because, like you said, your films all have this like kind of connected universe feel to them too
2: yeah it it i mean and the thing is when I started making these films, so I started making them back in 2016 and it was just one of these things where it originally started off as like, I wanted to do a one shot like horror film because Uh I was kind of getting back into filmmaking. Um, But when we got such a good like response and reception of things and we were thinking of wider, long-term goals of what we wanted to do. um, It was just one of those things where we're like, what if wouldn't it be cool if we brought that character back into this story and you know what if that character was like tied into this and stuff like that, and it just it just really ended up becoming kind of like a comic book you know uh like tales from the Crypt is a good example, you know it's just like mm-hmm. you you see like that comic book anthology kind of style going on um but like it's uh it it's just one of those things where we're like thinking. Yeah, it'd be neat to bring back some of these characters for a future story or it'd be mm. cool to tie this Easter egg into this other story just to show that this takes place in the same world and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it was it wasn't really at first it wasn't intentional, but now it's kind of like, OK, we have all the it's a sandbox of characters and, and settings and locations and scenarios. And it's like if we have the right opportunity, we can pull from from all these guys and 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 mm-hmm. things that we've done and and just make it connect even more in the lo- the lore of strange films and i think really uh that excitement when you first start kind of diving into that was again deeply rooted for my love of like world building comic books and superheroes and you're mm-hmm. just thinking like oh this is a neat opportunity i could do this like because i at the time also 2016 that's really the prime of like Marvel going on too. Right. Where you're thinking, I mean Captain America Civil War I think was just coming out, like all these things they're leading up to Avengers fin, Infinity War and Endgame and you're just thinking like, wow, what a neat thing that I remember going and seeing Iron Man in the in the Nick Fury uh mm-hmm. tagline with the Avengers and now we're about to get the Avengers like full on blown like Infinity War crazy everything. I mean, we we're seeing Black Panther on screen. I never seen I thought that would happen in my lifetime so it's just like Kevin Feige did such an amazing thing bringing this whole 10-year plan together mm-hmm. so for me I'm like it'd be cool if I did something like that <laughs> just in my <laughs> own way you know you know so that's kind of just how it all s- sprawled out and it it it's not like every decision's based off we've got to connect but you know it's mm-hmm. cool to have those resources to do so
1: right it's nice when you can when you can pull into like, like we need a character for this but we've got these characters over here. Why don't we look and see what we got already? Sure. Yeah. 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 I do some of that with my own books as well. And it, it's fun to be able to have that kind of cross series uh, promotion in a way. And, you know, being able to bring in characters from different things and it, you get some surprising favorites from, um, from the the fans too, because I had done a, I'd done two series of my novels, my no- shared urban fantasy universe. And when I was thinking about the third one, I decided, you know, I'll ask my the readers what they think. And oh. when I pulled them, and I had a character in mind that I thought they were going to choose. and But I threw this other character in there. I'm like, well, let's just put this character in there, too. He's popped up a bunch. Let's see what they think. And I just did it to kind of fill out the list. And the character I threw in to just kind of fill out the list was the one that overwhelmingly people wanted to read about. Oh, wow. Cool. So that's yeah, neat. you never know what's gonna what's gonna strike people, and that's that's part of the fun of it too. So it and that kind of made me think like, okay, well, what can I do with this character now? So it, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's a it's a cool way to to challenge yourself in that way too.
2: For sure, it really is. And um, you know, I never try to force it because I think when you try to force yourself in that corner, it, mm-hmm. it can be a little sloppy or just like obvious, you know. But like, um, but yeah, it, it is interesting when you're like, oh, that that works right there. Uh, So in this new movie that we just did um, there, we actually because I love superheroes so much, we have our own superhero. I like to quotations air quotes in this is uh, uh, his his name is the Royal Knight in our in our strange Mm. films universe. And he's like he's like a blend between Batman and Moon Knight. Like he's kind of crazy, like schizophrenic Mm -hmm. a little bit, but he's like he's very DIY and just, you know, he wants to beat up bad guys and stuff like that. Uh, but he has a couple short films on his own, and he and he's done a couple, like, just appearances every once in a while. But in this new movie, it's just a background scene where people are partying um, in a house party. And you can see the Royal Knight just, like, you know, playing beer pong in the background and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking, in my mind, whoever has followed along Strange Films and has maybe watched the Royal Knight, they're like, that's, that's the Royal Knight right there. And that's just, like, a nice... For me, it's a nice little Easter egg, you know, to... To sh- just to throw in there it doesn't have to be so obvious but it's like hey you know
1: we're doing stuff like that every once in a while so yeah um another thing i like to ask people when they come on the show is what what have you been interested in lately like not for for work or for podcasts or for films or anything like that but what are you kind of consuming right now just kind of for fun that's got gotten your interest you know comics movies yeah. video games mm. whatever it might be
2: that's a that's a good question, um, well, I'm so busy, man, like I just
1: you know, I work full
2: time, I've got my son that keeps me busy, and then, um for the longest time for the last like four or five months, I've just been working on this movie that I've been just doing, you know, as far as shooting and editing and doing all the marketing and stuff like that mm-hmm. too, um, and the holidays are coming up, so I really haven't had too much time right now. I'm actually just I'm replaying Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, so I'm like. I'm kind of getting ready for the, the Scarlet and Violet Pokemon games because I, I am a huge Pokemon nerd. So mm. kind of getting back into video games right now. Like I haven't like uh haven't played video games in quite a while. I, I get my switch and it's kind of I like the switch because it's a pick up and go, you know, over you know, you mm. know, with young kids, you, you just sometimes you don't even have five minutes yourself. So, yeah, it's nice. I can just kind of turn on the switch and I can play for 15 minutes or if I can, and then I can turn it off real quick and put it back on or whatever it is. But um, uh, I don't know. Other than that, man, I've just been, um, I've just been trying to, get, I actually, you know, it's funny because you were talking about, you wrote novels, which I didn't realize, but um, I, I've been wanting to try my hand at writing a novelization of uh, the strange films thing. So I've been kind of wanting to do, we've been, we adapted films to comics, but I've been wanting to do, um, the film to a novel
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that's been something I've been kind of wanting to like pick up and just start going at it because I remember being a kid I always wanted to write a book and um, I always I was a writer more than anything as a kid so mm-hmm. that's probably been on my mind more than anything um, in the last few weeks um, but I just really haven't <laughs> gotten started on it yet but we'll see but um, so yeah I mean Sorry to not give you the most exciting answer there. But yeah, I've just been I've just honestly, I've just been really busy. And I mean, work and having the toddler, I'm just not used mm-hmm. to. It's just it's just—it's a lot of time, you know, and I so know that when I get yeah. the extra 15 minutes to sit down to myself. I just oh, let me sit down. <laughs> like, you know,
1: but. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that. Um, Like, I like video gaming, too, but it and I've got the like, I've got the PS VR stuff and I've got all these VR games that I've barely been able to play because soon after we got it is when my daughter started moving around. Mm. So like, and now, and she gets so interested in the cables. So like anytime I try and put it on, she wants to touch, play around with the cables and stuff like that. Cables. Mm-hmm. yeah
2: he dude he's playing with the chargers like yeah. all the cables you can't i mean it's like if it's a loose cable whatever like he's like he play. he's, he's doing this thing where he just like likes to look at the end of the cable and just like turn mm-hmm. it around left and right like and he will do that for like 20 minutes i mean it's crazy but yeah. like it is i mean anything i pull out anything he he just has to try to see what's going on and so that's sometimes it's kind of like all right so yeah, mm-hmm. like i don't even know what i can do without him. And then once he's in bed, it's kind of like, okay, I got an hour left before I got to go to bed. It's like, mm. I kind of need to, you know, rest for a second, turn my brain yeah. off and catch up on messages or, you know, whatever, watch watch this show. I've been putting off for three weeks, you know? So it's just one of those things. But um, normally, you know, I do try to invest myself in some extracurricular activity or something I'm interested in. Like for a couple of years ago, before my son was born, On all my extra free time I was trying to learn bass guitar. And that was just one of those things I just like, you know, I'm no I'm no musician, but I love music so much. And (laughs) I got a I was gifted a bass guitar. And I just one of those it was just one of those things where it's like I can learn you know, I want to learn something with this. Mm -hmm. So every morning and every night I would take thirty to thirty minutes to an hour and I would just practice you know bass guitar on youtube you know youtube tutorials and mm-hmm. you know looking at bass tabs and stuff like that and i miss doing stuff like that but you know you got to prioritize i guess yeah things that you want to do and work and extra cooker stuff like the podcast things you know working on my podcast that's a, that's one big thing i do every week but i have to like i have to put aside two hours and make sure i have someone who can watch my son for those two hours mm-hmm. so i can you know get the podcast done upload it and all that good stuff so it, it's just it's a little tough when you got a kid, and I know you know that.
1: Yeah. Uh, See, so I don't think you mentioned your podcast. Uh, what's, what's your podcast all about? Oh, yeah.
2: So, um, yeah, so there's actually two podcasts. The one is the Strange Films podcast, and that's really mainly where um, we do updates on everything going on Strange Films, you know, uh, the films and, and any of the projects we're working on. I bring in guests as far as, like, people I've worked with before, uh, as far as actors or um, – other filmmakers or anything like that i also uh bring in guests who are who make independent comic books or other filmmakers or anything um and yeah it's just it's it's just one of those things we do commentaries on the films we've already shot and we watch them and stuff like that so it's actually a newer newer podcast i've done interviews on youtube and stuff for years now but i finally like finally was able to bring it all on spotify and apple so i'm just kind of re-uploading old stuff, but I'm adding new stuff too. So there's a Strange Films podcast on Spotify and Apple and other platforms. But the other podcast I like to do, which I guess would be my extra career activity, is called It Would Be Nice. And uh, I do that with my other... One of my best friends, his name's John Queener. He's another filmmaker friend of mine. And we just... we, We riff on life a little bit for the first half of it. So we take a subject that's like just bothering us in life, like can't get a new job or too many like why are people taking craps in the public bathrooms There's five people taking craps next to each other and it has got to be a better way to do you know to do this in public restrooms you know um you know just things like just random things we, we put a fun spin on and uh, laugh about and then uh we, we usually talk movies at the last half of it or we talk our updates of what's going on and uh we just it kind of spirals into random social commentary about anything and everything but that one's the main podcast that me and him we work on every week and that's uh, like i said it would be nice it's on apple spotify all the streaming platforms and so it's a very much of a social commentary comedy podcast and then if you're looking specifically for strange films we do have that outlet as well
1: very cool um and we'll include i we'll give you a chance to talk about the links and all that at the end we'll include Thanks. them in the show notes but um uh, but now let's talk uh let's talk spider-man because this yes. movie this movie came out my senior year in high school. It was like a few months before graduation. And I remember because, you know, this was back before, um, you know, this is back before like, you know, um, buying stuff online became really common. So um, I had like about, and this, this showed me that, you know, there was something big happening with superhero movies because my circle of friends, there was like 20 of us, everyone wanted to see this movie. And so like, and I wanted to buy tickets in advance to see it, because I know at the theaters we went to around there that they they sell out if you wait in the day of, so I would and you had to drive in person to the theater to pick up the tickets because I didn't have a bank account, I didn't have you know a debit card, or anything like that, so I couldn't shop online so so I'd be driving up to the theater to pick up the tickets and like um, for like a straight week leading up to this movie, like almost every single day, there's another person who's coming up to me with money. He's like, Hey, can we, can you get, can you get our ticket too? Can you get our ticket too? And then we went there on the day of, and we had like, you know, we had like two or three cars and like everybody piled into like the brim driving everyone over to the damn theater and then, um, getting everyone inside. And it was a, it was a big event. Like I was. Like X-Men came out a few years before and that was pretty successful, but nothing really kind of compared to um, what it was like when people went crazy over over this movie when it came out.
2: Oh, yeah, man, there's so many things I can kind of piggyback off of what you just said, because, you know, first of all, the nostalgic is kicking in where you're saying, you know, you had to go up to buy the ticket to you know not online mm. and everything like that. And I miss that man, because now you got to got to buy, you pretty much had to buy tickets online. And the other thing is about movie theaters and screenings that you had to buy, you had to select your seats, you know, that kind of for, and, and it's like, I get it, you know, mm. but there's just like that raw nostalgic moment where it's like, I miss just going up to the booth, getting a, getting a ticket and then walking into the dark theater and trying to find your seat that you want to, you know, get, you know, sometimes it sucked don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, back in the old, back in what Spider-Man came out in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was just like a, such a prime example of like going to the movies and, and the excitement behind that and everything. But I was a little younger. um, So I can't remember. Let's see. 2002. I was born in 92. So I, I guess 10, 11 years old. I was, I was kind of right there. And um, I remember going to the theater. I saw X-Men. I remember seeing X-Men in theaters before that. And I remember the excitement I had leading up to it and then watching it in theaters and being like, wow, mm-hmm. like I cannot call X-Men like a live action X-Men in theater. So seeing Spider-Man, it did kind of take that feeling and elevate it to such a whole new level because seeing him like just I think. I think the whole dynamics of X-Men where you could kind of ground it pretty well, where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, they've got mutant powers and everything like that. And there's some CGI there, but Spider-Man was such like a, he's web slinging. It's just like the costume, the aesthetic of New York and everything like that consistently flowing through that. And the green goblin was crazy. Uh, that, that excited me more, even more. And I remember specifically, it's a, it's a very odd memory, but I remember driving home from the theater and I'm looking out the, 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 the side window of my uh my mom and dad's car and uh it's nighttime and i just i just kept thinking i was like what if i saw the green goblin you know flying in the sky right i was i was scared of the goblin because he scared me when i was like that you know that young but it was just it's just funny because i remember that it was such a pivotal moment for me seeing spider-man a live action spider-man and how how awesome it was and then you know you just see like I think everything went into full momentum
1: right after that mm-hmm, movie. Absolutely, you know, as yeah. As far as yeah. that, that standard. Um, yeah. Well, that comparison to X-Men, that's something I wanted to talk about, too. The whole the grounding of it. Because there was a lot of discussion back then in the fan communities about, like, well, how are they going to do the costume? Right? Because the mm, the idea yeah. back then was you can't just take the costume from the comics and put it on screen. It doesn't look right. Right. Cause we had, you know, memories of like Batman 66 and all that. And it, and it mm-hmm. worked for Christopher Reeve, but it, it, it didn't seem to work for anybody else. Right. There was something about Christopher Reeve and that Superman suit that it just, it, it just worked in a way that anyone else who wears the Superman suit doesn't work the same way. Not that classic spandex suit. So there's all this question about like, well, what are they going to do? Alex Ross did um, his own kind of like fun design of it where it was, um, you know, usual had a little bit of red, but everything else was mostly black. So a lot of people are like, what are they going to do? Are they going to do something like that? And then when, Raimi released the first photos of the costume and it's basically from the comics except the webbing is is raised is like raised up on the costume and we're just like what they're doing yeah. they're doing it from the comics what is this and you know i remember everybody going it blew everybody's mind at the time right it's funny to think of now and <laughs> now seeing you know comics accurate costumes is no big deal um but Back then, that was a huge thing. Like, nobody expected them to actually use the costume as it looked in the comics.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me being that young at the time, it was, um, I wasn't quite aware of that. I knew watching X-Men that it wasn't like, oh, this isn't like comic, what I'm used to seeing in the animated series or comic books. You know, like, that's not, Wolverine's like, where's his yellow suit? You know, like, I, I knew that, but like. I knew right away, seeing Spider-Man, I was like, wow, this is Spider-Man to a T. Like, this felt like Spider-Man. And uh, seeing that, you know, it, it was cool. I think, obviously, the Green Goblin was the one that didn't really have his comic-accurate, you right. know, uh, get-up. But it's interesting because you saw, I'm sure you've seen the test footage of him doing the Green Goblin set. And it was the comic-accurate mm-hmm. kind of look. I don't know if that would even really work, though, in the in the final outcome of the movie. You know, it, it's interesting to try to put it together, but I'm like maybe it would look too cheesy or something. But it would definitely look looks cool in the test footage mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. of what they did.
1: Yeah, the goblin look, the look of the goblin is one of the things that it, it still sticks with me all these years later that I still don't like what they did with the goblin. Um, It just it looks a little bit too goofy. You know, he's got that big head yeah. with the fixed mouth and, and you could even see Willem Dafoe's face through the mesh of mm-hmm. the mouth. So it, it that's that it, it I feel like I'm at Disneyland every time I look at him. Yeah, yeah. Um And the rest of the bodysuit, it's like something out of like a a Power Rangers costume or something Mm -hmm. like that. So Mm -hmm. the goblin costume looks pretty goofy to me. Um, And honestly, every time, especially after seeing No Way Home, which I'm sure you've probably seen. uh, You've got Willem Dafoe in that and his mask gets damaged early on. And then after that, he's just using his own face. And I'm just like, you know, Willem Dafoe's, you know, got such a creepy face to begin with when he starts doing those contortions just slap some green paint on him and I think you'd be fine for sure and
2: I think you know probably what I'm I'm sure happened in some degree is that I think at the time when they're doing the Spider-Man first that that Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man it was almost mm. kind of like okay is this gonna work you yeah know, like is this Sam Raimi can you make a Spider-Man film is this gonna work are we gonna like is this going to be a successful blockbuster hit? Because that's all I, you know, Hollywood is like that in general, but superhero movies also at the time, especially were pretty much like a gamble. I mean, right. you know, even up until the late two thousands, it was a gamble uh, until really the Marvel, you know, besides the, the Raimi trilogy, I'd say uh, the, when Marvel and Kevin Feige stepped in uh, mm-hmm. officially, everything was kind of like, uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, so, it was uh it was a gamble to kind of go for it anyways but it was like I think uh he just or uh I'm sorry I lost my train of thought there. Um <laughs> but uh oh crap what was I even
1: saying? Well I will pick up on something uh you were oh, saying yeah, maybe I'm sorry, maybe I lost you'll pick my of up. Of it's thought. okay it happens to me all the time I know what it's like. Yeah. Um but yeah it was you're right about the superhero movies at the time because you know You had the Batman movies, which had gone um, from the kind of like the dark gothic fantasy of Tim Burton to just kind of being like, you know, uh, ending up at Batman and Robin. We had Spawn, which was an attempt to be darker, but didn't work, especially in retrospect. (laughs) We covered that movie recently. Uh, And then you had like the really bad ones, like, you know, you had like Steel and, and stuff like that, which is just like, you know, super low budget and just like nobody taking it seriously. X-Men took it seriously, but like we said, they made it very grounded. So I think Spider-Man was the first movie, pro- honestly, probably since Superman, that really kind mm-hmm. of took it seriously, was made by people who really kind of loved this character and loved this yes. world, and who wanted to be true to the source material, right? They weren't embarrassed to be... Sam Raimi was not embarrassed about the fact that he was making a superhero movie, whereas you look yeah, at like... I, and- uh. Sorry, I just want to finish this one thing. Uh, like you look at Tim Burton. He was never really a superhero fan. He's he's like, you know, oh, I just want to use this to explore the themes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brian Singer, not a superhero fan. He's just kind of like, yeah, this is just a paycheck for me. But I'm gonna, I like but I think it's kind of interesting. But I want to make it more serious. And Sam Raimi comes in. And he's like, no, I'm a fanboy. And I want to and I want to show you why I'm a fanboy. And that that was and he put that love of it up on the screen.
2: Yes. And I think now because I, I just remember what I was trying to say was um we we brought, you know, he you see that love of it through Sam Raimi and he delivers his own style mm-hmm. of Sam Raimi films in his direction. You got Tom McGuire who he, who is just like lovable from mm-hmm. start to finish. I mean, he just he he however you want to compare a Peter Parker to the other Peter Parkers that's live action and who he is in the comics is is one thing but he, he, everyone agrees that i think almost that Tom Maguire is just perfect for this trilogy mm-hmm. but i think when you watch uh Spider-Man 1 and you watch Spider-Man 2 and i'll i'll quote my my good friend John Queener on this like it almost looks like Spider-Man 1 is kind of like a TV movie mm-hmm. to Spider-Man 2 because they like like i said they were kind of like is this going to work you know make sure like we we'll give it we'll give it our all I'll make sure it works but it did Mm -hmm. and that since it worked so well and flawlessly when you watch Spider-Man 2 everything just looks like crisper like like brighter colors cleaner like like more special effects and everything into it like I mean I think it just you can see the 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 success from Spider-Man 1 and 2 and how I think perfectly honestly like I Spider-Man 2 is has always went down as a all, one of the best superhero movies of all mm. time, you know? And I think it's just because Spider-Man one laid out that, that risk, that foundation of, you know, can we make Spider-Man and you can, and yeah. it just, it works. So it works so well. I mean, you know, I still watch it. It's a comfort movie for me watching mm. that movie. It's, it really is that that whole trilogy is, but uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, I definitely la- it laid the foundation of down to kind of show that, Uh, they can take these risks and they can go comic accurate to an extent and they can also do their own thing Mm and their own direction as well and uh yeah it was it's it's pretty awesome still to look at look back on
1: Mm -hmm. so um one of the things yeah just want to touch on spider-man too because we had covered that on the show uh and when we covered on the show i it it's one of those rare movies that one of those rare superhero movies that still holds up all these years later because, mm-hmm. you know, some of them you look back on and you're like, okay, you know, still pretty good, but it's still very much of its time. Spider-Man 2 has got a very timeless feel to it. Like it still holds up really well. And it, I mean, you could release that movie today and I think it would still, it, it would, people wouldn't be like, hey, this feels like it's 20 years old, right? It still holds up really well. Um, this one to a lesser extent, I think this one doesn't quite hold up as well, but Spider-Man two, there's something magical about that, but, uh, going back to this one, um, were some things that kind of jumped out at you when you were uh, rewatching it.
2: Um, well, you know, it's kind of like what you said where Spider-Man two is really like everything about it is a timeless feel to it. Um, Spider-Man one, I would say that a lot of it does feel timeless to me but i think some of the get the the get-ups are uh a little like yeah you know like the green goblin is one of the things where it's mm-hmm. like you, you, it's an obvious thing you're like ah, oh, man they could have done better on that or what or whatnot but um i don't know i mean i think really the the nostalgic feel that gets when i rewatch Spider Man now it's just it's just the little quirky moments that peter parker and toad mcguire um you know portrays in mm-hmm. this as as Peter Parker, you know, and, and just like him discovering himself as Spider-Man. It's just a really authentic feel to it, I think. And it's it's a little heartwarming to see, you know, like I, I just love when he's on the, the rooftop and he's like, go web, you know, and, and just trying to get his web, <laughs> the webs to come out. And, um, you know, it's it's funny to see a lot of the stuff that happened in this old Spider-Man movie. That maybe, you know, comic accurate people would be like, ah, could have been like this or whatnot. But, you know, we all didn't know 20 years later, No Way Home would come out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it ties everything back into it. And then they're even addressing the web, you know, his organic web mm-hmm. shooters and stuff like that. I think that's just, it, you know, it, it's it's just interesting to see um, from a launching point of this first movie. They just stayed true to what they wanted to do, and it worked so well. Um, But, yeah, I'd say the wrestling match is always a fun thing to watch from it. Uh, You know, Peter Parker, just like I said, just his first kind of coming. I I really love that that uh, Hallways fight scene with him and Flash. And He's like, I don't Mm want to fight you, Flash. And it's so funny because I was laughing. I was laughing so hard last time I rewatched it and uh, you know, he's like, I don't want to fight you flash and flash is like, yeah, I wouldn't want to fight me neither. And (laughs) I just think of that meme because there's so many memes now with that, like Mm -hmm. with like just some of the random circumstance. And it's just a picture of flash saying that same context, you know, there's so many, there's so many memes now out of that first movie with, William Dafoe going, Yeah, I'm
1: somewhat of a scientist uh-huh. myself. I laughed when that when he said like, that line. <laughs> and then they said that no way home. I was like, come on, this is great. You had mentioned the organic web shooters. And I remember at the time yeah. um leading up to this movie, there was tons of you know, like I mean Spider Man fandom is some of the most merciless fans you'll ever find. If you see them on Twitter, I mean, it's. Oh yeah. And this was before Twitter, and people were. I remember on the old message boards and stuff, people were getting, you know, you know, people were starting to, you know, they were sharpening the knives up when they heard about the organic web shooters. Um, like me personally, I thought it actually made a lot of sense. Um, because I, th- cause I, mm-hmm. I mean. Now I've kind of come around on it, but at the time I remember thinking, I'm like, well, organic web shooters makes a lot of sense. And even as a kid, when I read those old Spider-Man stories, I'm like, why do they give him mechanical web shooters? Why not just have it, yeah. you know, come out of him? So I remember thinking that as a kid too. And so when I saw this movie, I'm like, no, that makes sense. That sounds fine. Um, when we got into the amazing Spider-Man movies, and they brought back the mechanical web shooters. And then especially in the, um, in the MCU, when they really re- focus on the fact that it's, it it's about, you know, Peter's ingenuity and all that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I get the, I get him now. But at the time Mm -hmm. I thought the organic web shooters made a lot of sense. And uh, what about you? What did you think of them? I never had a problem with them. You know, I really
2: didn't. I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, again, I was a little younger. So I, I guess maybe at the time I wasn't kind of like in that debate where Mm -hmm. why aren't they using mechanical web shooters? So even when I was just a few years older and I realized, uh, oh, Spider-Man, like he, he's supposed to have mechanical web shooters. I still never had a problem with the organic. I thought it was cool. You know, mm. I just thought it was an interesting, interesting point of view, I guess, you know, as far as that world goes. And then even as I got older and I was really more into comic books and uh, and I respect the, the lore of the characters and everything, comic accuracy and everything like that, I still never had a problem with Sam Raimi's decision to do the organic web shooters. I don't even know if mm. he ever came out and said why they went the organic route, but I still think it's just a unique point of view for Spider-Man. And I don't think it's so out mm. of character. I mean, the, the the fact that he gets bitten by this spider, this radioactive spider, uh, or, you know, this, this, the spider to give him powers and, you know that he's now embedded with all these spire abilities and i mean the web i just felt like it was natural i thought that you know at, mm-hmm. at the beginning when i was like it i thought that's how it was actually supposed to be but um so yeah i mean now yeah like you said with tom holland and andrew garfield when they did their mechanical web shooters i thought oh i see you know it, it is to kind of prove or to show like his super scientific side of his of peter parker to mm-hmm. always have these web shooters on hand and that you know that's just one of his crutches i guess you know uh to to keep to keep up his ability as spider-man but um i never had a problem with it and i just again it kind of goes right back to that no way home thing where it kind of comes full circle where you're mm-hmm. like uh, they, they're all debating on it you know <laughs> it's just like that that was a really <laughs> fun moment for for me and i'm sure you and everyone else you know who never had a problem with that organic shooter
1: yeah, I did love that when he's just like, I when he's like, how does it? we like, I don't know. It's just like, how do I do breathing? It's just I just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. does it come out of anywhere else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I want to talk a little bit about Tobey Maguire, and I think you were right. Like when you were saying that he's he's really kind of perfect for this trilogy. Um, looking back, you know, even at the time, I kind of felt this way about him. But like, I always felt like toby mcguire is perfect as peter parker like he mm-hmm. has that especially in, when you get into spider-man 2 when he's um when he's nerding out with with doc ock in the in the lab and everything or in this one when he's talking about the spiders mm-hmm. and he's all like excited and wild-eyed and harry's like peter only you would think why would you think I, Why would you think i think that interesting he's like who wouldn't think that's interesting right you really kind of right. buy the fact that he is this big science geek um Andrew Garfield like he tried but I don't feel like Andrew Garfield really kind of nailed the the science geek side of things as much mm-hmm. um even though I do love Andrew Garfield's performance overall but when it came to the Spider-Man side of things I felt like and partly this is probably the script but Tobey Maguire is just not a wisecracker right that's just kind of like not in his in his yes. personality and it's really really kind of hard for him to do it the few times when he does try to make jokes in these movies they They just seem to fall flat for me,
2: oh yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right, um yeah, he's got a you're right exac- I think he's a great Peter Parker, I mean, he's just got that awkward charm mm-hmm. that he carries, you know he's a nerd he he looks the part he's you know you feel you feel for him on all the emotional levels and anything in his life, you know, and I think there's a lot about to mcguire that just that screamed spider-man because of that foundation he laid out in that trilogy mm-hmm. but when you look at it as far as an overall um franchise with all these live action spider-man now and even going forward in the future you're like okay spider-man can be a little he needs to be a little bit more on the cuff you know with his mm-hmm. you know these uh uh because he is very like you know with his villains he's just you know he he likes to talk smack with them, and he's real right. quick about it and even um, I can't think of a specific example with uh, part one, but I know with part two with he's fighting Doc Ock. He's, you know, he says something, you know, just something like you said, just flat, you know, it's mm-hmm. just I just remember watch just rewatching it. I was like, oh, he he tried talking smack there, but mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like a quick gimmick. It's just it's kind of just a flat like, eh, you know, whatever. And that's fine for that, for what it happened, for what it was in the, the trilogy of Sam Raimi, because I think, again, even though from part one to part two and three, it jumps as far as quality and maybe um, being as colorful as it was, mm-hmm. it's still very grounded for what Spider-Man was in this right. whole trilogy. And I think Toad McGuire holds that pretty closely to mm-hmm. his portrayal of Peter Parker and his portrayal of Spider-Man. You can almost compare it to like Christian Bale on the dark Knight. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very grounded in that world. Yeah. And I don't think in that world, a, very very animated colorful off the cuff spider-man would exactly work you know mm-hmm. i just think it's just Tom mcguire did what he did and it worked out perfectly how it was but yeah i just think more of the emotional side of peter parker and spider-man and mm-hmm. the um the awkwardness he definitely the scientist nerd i definitely he thinks he nails it i mean andrew garfield i'd say he was a great spider-man Maybe yeah, absolutely not the, uh, yeah peter, Par- peter parker I think he had a great look to him, but like you said, maybe he just didn't really there's something about his emotional and scientific side that I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. But he was a great Spider Man. And obviously we all love Andrew Garfield, especially seeing him come back in No Way Home. Tom Harlan, he's a good mix. I think he's a good mm-hmm. balance of both of them. You know, I think there probably could be better I think there could be um uh things that could be improved either way, but he's definitely a good balance of the two. But but uh, you know, Tom McGuire I just think as when you look at it from being such an early and mid 2000s kind of style and being as grounded as it is and Mm. um, as awkward and charming as it is, I think he just nails it in that sense. But he's definitely not like that, that Spider-Man we're used to in like the comics or the the uh, the animated series or anything like that. And And Tom Holland does a great job with the 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 you know, off the cuff, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of talk smack with the villains and stuff like that. And Andrew Garfield was leaning towards that, too, as far as Spider-Man goes.
1: Yeah, uh, you you hit on exactly what I and, you know, listeners are probably tired of hearing me say this because I say it every time (laughs) these three actors come up. But yeah, I think, you know, Tobey Maguire was a great Peter Parker, not so great as Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield was the opposite. He was great as Spider-Man. His Peter Parker, I mean, you know, and it's not saying their their other interpretations were bad. It's just like not what I think of. And his Peter Parker felt kind of like he was a loner or an outcast by choice, right? It didn't feel like, oh yeah, it it didn't feel like he was, he was put upon or he was bullied or anything like that. It just kind of felt like, yeah, he's, you know, he's Peter Parker. He just kind of does his own thing. That's more like what it felt like. And, um, and, but, and, but Tom Holland, he, and one of the things I like about Holland when he does the off the cuffs and the witty stuff is Spider-Man is it it's like he's got like a nervous energy to it. So he really mm-hmm. nails home the idea that this is him as Spider-Man making jokes to cover up the fact that he's freaking terrified. Whereas yeah, yeah. uh, Garfield Spider-Man just felt naturally witty. So it didn't feel like he was right. covering up for anything.
2: I agree with you on that, for sure. I agree with you on that, for sure. Um, yeah, and then uh, again, back to uh, Maguire, it's just like whatever he was saying in the moment of those fight scenes, it's just kind of like, it felt just very written, you know, it Felt yeah. like it was just kind of like, well, that was part of the script and he said mm-hmm. it and he didn't. It wasn't like a, that nervous energy or that 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 true Spider-Man, you know, form of uh, talking smack, you know, it was just it, he, he just said his dialogue and, mm-hmm. and he's carrying on the scene and it's not a bad they're not bad scenes. It's just it's just interesting how he talks compared mm-hmm. to the, the other Spider-Man, you know, and um, but yeah i mean but you do feel for toby mcguire throughout the movie i mean mm-hmm. you know he's getting picked on in school you know the bus leaves him in the beginning you know and stuff like that like the and mary jane that's a whole i think the whole mary jane arc uh part one two and three is so much more emotional than anything that has been portrayed in the other movies and and just like i think uh I think you just feel for Toby and you relate to Toby a little bit more, maybe just as like a regular guy and being kind of this nerdy kid and stuff like that. But yeah, when you're, when you're looking as, uh, as far as the Spider-Man goes, it, it could have been a little better, but uh, it's definitely uh yeah, it's interesting to see now from the whole, you know, point of view with all of them. I think it's
1: funny. You mentioned the MJ thing, because that's actually one of the weakest things for me in, in these movies. Oh, yeah. And it's like, these these movies don't do either Kirsten Dunst or MJ as a character any favors. I mean, of the three, I think this is the one where she gets the best treatment in the script. But even still, it's not a great treatment. Like, her... It, like, you know, comparing to the other ones, like, I thought of all of them, I think, you know, Andrew Garfield and Emma Watts, Emma Stone had, hands down, like, the best chemistry. Like, they... Mm-hmm you know, Peter and Gwen, like, I was fully invested in that, and then and then when she dies at the, the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2, spoilers for a movie that's, you know, over 10 right, years right. old <laughs> now, but <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, like, right. I felt for that, Even and as many, and we talked about that, like, as many problems as that movie has, like, the Peter and Gwen stuff of it was just always on point, and that, and even so, when they brought it back in, in No Way Home, and he saves, and he saves MJ at, at the end of that movie and then and then and then in almost the exact same way where he wasn't able to save gwen and he almost breaks down after he does it like i felt that when i saw even now when i watch that movie a few times i still feel that um sure i with mcguire and dunce they never had that same kind of chemistry that um garfield and stone had or that or holland and zendaya have i never really kind of felt it and just like some of the, and I think part of this is just Raimi's style. He's, Raimi's a cheese ball. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. He is. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. he's a total cheese ball and that works when you're doing stuff like, you know, the evil dead or when you're doing uh Dr. Strange, I feel like his cheese ball humor and style of writing really works for that when he's doing it and he's trying to write and he's trying to portray these scenes of like Peter and MJ having these hearts to hearts it does not work for me at all. Like the scene when Mm. they're at Aunt May's bedside and he's saying, he's like, when you look into her eyes and all this kind of stuff, and I'm just like, just stop. Mm -hmm. Just please stop. Please stop. This is going on (laughs) way too long.
2: I can totally see that on your end. Um, I feel like, I guess I am a little bit of the opposite though. I just, uh, I thought, I honestly kind of thought Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were a little cheesy watching them uh, together. Maybe just a little too on the nose, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say, obviously, part two of *Amazing Spider-Man* two, um, when Gwen Stacy dies, like that is a traumatic, emotional yeah. moment. And then again, when, what you just said with *No Way Home* when it comes back full circle and he says MJ and he breaks down. I mean, in the theater, I was like, oh my, like, like mm-hmm. yeah. I, I felt, I feel those things. And even when Holland and Zendaya, I just uh, for I don't know for um, Maguire and uh, Kirsten Dunst, I just there's a there is something that maybe it is kind of on the nose, slight rom-com style, mm-hmm. like cheesy. But again, I think I'm just so invested with Toe McGuire mm-hmm. and so emotionally attached as far as like his, what I'm seeing him go through as Peter Parker and him discovering himself as Spider-Man and his massive crush on MJ. It's kind of just one of these things where I'm like, it's really forgiving for me. I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, this like, this is what he wants. This is what he needs. But he's also like, he's conflicted. He doesn't know what to do. You know, at the ending of it, it is cheesy when he's at the, you know, the funeral. Mm -hmm. uh, And he's like, and she's like, I love you. And they, and they kiss. And he's like, I can't be with you. (laughs) It's just like, you know, but, and it's just like this back and forth pull, the whole trilogy. Mm -hmm. But I love it so much. I just think it's a, I love watching, uh, Tom McGuire go through it. I don't know why. I just, I just do. But I, I just for for whatever reason, not to knock Andrew Garfield because I think he's a brilliant actor. I think uh the script was, he was just given the script and everything. And and uh, but he's a great Spider Man. But I just think his Peter Parker um in those first two movies and a lot of those dynamics of uh the, being the nerd being in love with Gwen Stacy and everything. I just thought they were maybe a little too on the nose for me. You mm-hmm. know, just a little too obvious or cheesy in my end, you know. But I mean, um it's everyone but that's a cool thing about Spider-Man and, and seeing these three trilogies that we've got now. It's just to see like who loves who you know, mm-hmm. everyone loves all these Spider-Man and different portrayals of Peter Parker's and everything. And everyone's got their own opinions on them and and whatnot. But it's just so great to know that the one we're talking about today is Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man just set the 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 ground floor for mm-hmm. it all. You know, yeah. and I think just we no one was prepared for it. You no, know? absolutely Hollywood. not. Yeah. And that's why kind of where I lost my train of thought earlier was like, you know, Hollywood and and Sony took a chance on this Spider-Man movie because they didn't know I don't I really don't think they knew exactly how it was going to go down. Um it did so well, but they kept it at a grounded level. I think they yeah. just kept it at that grounded level. And that's, I think that's why it works so well, because it's not so like in your face mm-hmm. and so fantasy, like, you know, at, in a fantasy where it could, it could have been a little too much in the first round of things, you
1: know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Kirsten Dunst too. Um, I, I think when they're, when they're writing MJ's character in a lot of these movies, they, they're kind of, they're kind of writing her as a, not the best person. Like she's,
2: you know, Mm -hmm. she's,
1: she's dating flash at the beginning when he's, you know, he's obviously a total asshole and we never see any reason why, what we, what she sees in him for him to actually be, you know, endearing to her. Um, When she's with, when she's with Harry, you know, she's constantly making these eyes at Peter. Like when she's talking with him in the hospital and she's like, well, what are you talking about, Peter? And all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, you've got you're dating his roommate <laughs> what are you doing oh yeah and no, and she's then not the
2: best in mm-hmm. part one because she even when she's with harry she kisses spider-man mm-hmm. <laughs> that <laughs> so too yeah and she's obsessing over <laughs> yeah. spider-man
1: um i think she get. i think the worst is in um well part two is pretty bad when she's obviously yep. in love with peter and then she still agrees to marry this other guy who's like the nicest yeah. guy on the planet and then she uh-huh. dumps him at the altar like i felt that ending it just I loved it at the time when I saw it in the theater, but looking back on it now, I'm just like, Oh God, this ending is so painful.
2: Yeah. It's pretty gut wrenching. She's not, I mean, (laughs) as far as the MJ character in the Mm -hmm. trilogy, she's not a good person. No, she's not. (laughs) She's just like, she's bouncing back and forth between Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, Harry. I mean, like you said, in part two, she's with, uh, jonah jameson's son and mm-hmm. she's like even trying to recreate the spider-man kiss and make sure that he's not spider-man you oh. know like but she's like she's just like her mind's always on another guy and i think it's yeah. in part three she's with peter but she gets back with harry a little bit like she, they're cooking like food together and you know they like kiss and, and it's just like well, it's just always like she's always like interested in something else mm-hmm. that's keeping her attention and how how happy she is but yeah i mean if. uh <laughs> outside of that though uh just i think it i think it's really more of a for me the perspective with toby and mm-hmm. peter parker it's just like he always wanted mj you knew he wants and M- you knew he wants mj he's having a hard time tri- find, trying to figure out how to be with mj and then when he even can get mj he's he's trying to bounce spider-man i just mm-hmm. think all those like really those uh those approaches to his character was uh was great for me
1: uh what about uh james franco uh so i know you know first disclaimer the guy's obviously a scumbag now we've we've come to learn but we've discovered yeah yeah, but um all that aside i mean like looking back on these these three movies i think um in all three movies like even in spider-man 3 which has you know tons of problems with it but i thought i always felt like his performance in spider-man 3 was still one of the strongest parts of that movie and and just like mm-hmm. it's a consistent performance throughout all these, like he's really he's he really does he really sells it as Harry in these three movies. How about what about you? What do you think?
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think you know, despite who the guy is that we've come to learn, um, I've always been a huge fan of James Franco and on all of his movies. Um, so seeing him that early on with this Harry Osborne character, it was. Um, I, I think it was always been a treat for me. But seeing him, like you said, being very, very consistent through all three parts. Um, and his character arc goes pretty dramatic mm-hmm. in those three three arcs too. And I think that just makes such a difference because you've got this best friend who turns villain, but ultimately they're friends at the end, you know, kind of deal. And Um, Or, you know, he's going to help Peter save the day at the end of it, uh, at the end of it all. And um, I really always liked Harry Osborn or uh, James Franco as Harry Osborn. I just Mm -hmm. thought it was a really good dynamic, especially at the time he bounces off well with uh, Tobey Maguire. And uh, yeah, I just think it's great to see. I really like him in part one um because he kind of plays like the innocent harry osborne you know not really he's oblivious to a lot of things there's Mm -hmm. a little bit you start to see the lot the jealousy kind of come out with it's really because of mj throughout the whole thing but the the part two i think is my favorite where he just he he knows he wants spider-man dead you Mm -hmm. know and he he knows toby peter parker is working he takes photos of him so there's that Heated dynamic between them, but he's cocky also because he's running Oscorp now, and you know it's just one of those. It's a really great portrayal to see like Harry go from like the student to the CEO of Oscorp mm-hmm. and this vendetta against Spider-Man, and then ultimately discover his uh, his father's uh, goblin throne and and takes on the mantle. Uh, I do think uh, part three. Uh, it, it, it gets a little cheesy with him going through the amnesia and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But part three is a, it's and the magic thing, Butler you know? at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, as far as James Franco p- portraying the character throughout the whole mo- uh, trilogy, I, I never had a problem with, it. and I still, I still mm-hmm. like watching.
1: I, I mean, even, even with all the problems in three, like I thought his, his dark turn in the, after he, he gets after that he gets his memory back. I thought he, as as terrible as that plot line is with the amnesia like yeah. you know franco does such a great job you could eat like that that pie scene man i love that pie scene
2: oh dude yeah
1: yeah
2: because <laughs> yeah. I, I watched three like i don't know a year ago or something and and i forgot about the pie scene and i just <laughs> was mm-hmm. like oh man how devilish of him you know
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he, um she, although
0: yeah
1: one note about spider-man 3 uh before we get back to spider-man um you know, when we covered that, Anthony Desiato, who came on to to cover that uh, movie with me, he had watched what's called the editor's cut of that movie, and it had, it rearranges some stuff and it has like a different way for Harry to kind of come into the realization at the end. So um, I haven't seen the editor's cut, but from what he was saying, it sounds like a much better movie. So um, really? Maybe, yeah. So maybe give that a try. Apparently that's on Amazon. So that's apparently a, huh. a much better version of it. Oh, I'll have to look into that. I never heard of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was surprised, too. At first, I thought he was talking about some sort of uh, a fan edit or something. But no, it's a a legitimate cut. It's available on Amazon and and stuff like that. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, I'll have to check into that. Uh, Yeah, you know, my buddy John, uh, he he defends Spider-Man three to the day he dies. He loves <laughs> Spider-Man three. Like I swear to God, like he, he loves it so much. And I'm not like, I don't hate it. I just think it's, mm-hmm. it's it is, you know, it, it could have been a lot better. Yeah. I know there's a lot of problems with it and whatnot, but it's, it, you know, it is what it is, but he, he defends that movie all the time. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask if he, he's aware of that editor's mm-hmm. cut or not, but yeah, I didn't know about that. Cool. So
1: I want to talk about Willem Dafoe and uh, Norman. Um, Like, yes, I love, defoe's performance i think if you're going to get someone you want someone to play norman osborne green goblin i'm like it's hard to think of anybody who could do a better job than willem defoe um i mean he's you know he 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 Hmm. comes off as like the as um as, when he's Norman, you know, before the transformation, he comes off as very kind of charming with other people. You could see how this guy's this, you know, successful businessman. But you can all you also see the relationship he has with Harry and how hard he is on Harry. And just like in just that that very quick scene in that intro, when he when he's with Harry in the car and then he introduces himself to Peter, you see those two sides of him. Boom! Right away, he establishes mm-hmm. that. Um, and when he. You know, costume aside, when he's in the goblin persona, and one of my favorite scenes is when he's talking himself in the mirror, and he's switching yes. back and forth. It's almost like a physical transformation he does.
2: Yes, and I was just going to make that note because, um, so William Dafoe obviously is an amazing actor, but that on and off switch that he mm-hmm. just does uh, throughout the movie, it it it's. I mean, it's scary. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of parts of William Defoe's performance in that whole movie where I remember being a kid, I was like scared. I was like, like just like creeped out by the fact mm-hmm. that like he, it's a really dark performance of, of, and, and the way he just like gets that low, like growling kind of voice. And and you know, he can, he just turns it on and um yeah, he just does a really great job. I think it is hard to just to think if through, if, there will be another Green Goblin in that vein. I, I don't think there will be anytime soon because he came back in No Way Home, mm-hmm. which I'm glad they brought him back for that, uh for that, you know, appearance. But uh he is, I just think from the start, like you said, he just kind of has that persona of the uh, charming father-like, but he's hard on Harry, but he loves, he likes Peter, he's very interested in mm-hmm. Peter, but then he, you can tell, like, He's working on this thing with Oscorp, and it does it goes wrong. So he takes his own hands, and it's just like, oh man, it goes b- balls to the wall from there. And I think one of my favorite performances, or one of my favorite scenes, I guess, in the movie is the Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. um, because I love when he realizes t- uh, Peter is Spider Man, yeah, and with the blood, and then he flips the switch, like goblins taking over. He knows mm-hmm. like. something's wrong and he starts yelling at harry in the hallway so loud that mary jane is hearing it from the the living room Mm -hmm. and she's like and you know it's just it's so ruthless he goes from like trying and even when like um aunt may is like she slaps his hands Mm -hmm. like you gotta say grace and he's like you know licks his finger you know from cutting the turk like just those little moments when when goblin has really kind of taken over himself uh for the most part but it's right after that scene i think he goes back to that mirror and he's like i can't you know what's here mm-hmm. and and goblin is just like talking him down man and i just think it's a really great performance and it, it's uh his laugh his his charm his
1: uh oh god the laugh uh, yeah
2: everything in it i think he just did such a great job he is like a dark and kind of scary part of that movie mm-hmm. um but he's definitely i mean you can't you can't replace that
1: you know yeah. My one my one problem with the Goblin in the movie it has nothing to do with Defoe's performance it just has to do with the the writing because I don't feel like after he kills the board of Oscorp I don't feel like they ever really give him a reason to keep putting on the Goblin suit like I mean I understand the motivation for you know Doc Ock in the second one and even in the third one I I understand why um at least Sandman in the first part of the movie I understand you know Venom I totally understand Harry I totally understand And but and even in the the Holland movies, too, I I, in the Garfield movies, for the most part, I they give a good reason for why the villain is doing what he's doing in this movie, though. I don't feel I feel like he's just being the goblin after he kills the board just because he likes being evil is what it kind of feels like. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's
2: true. I mean, you know, because. The whole reason why he puts that goblin suit on or I mean, the glider and everything in mm-hmm. serum is, is because, you know, the serum thing that he was trying to test, they disapproved. So right. he was like, I'll just do it myself. And then it goes wrong. And and then next thing you know, you hear the got the glider is gone and he, he kills the he kills the board and everything. And he, I think, yeah, like you said, I think he just likes the anarchy. I think he likes the chaos. I think the goblin persona just kind of took over at that point. Um, because i think it's really about that speech him and peter are on the roof Mm -hmm. top talking about and he's just pretty much saying like you know imagine what he's like he's he's telling spider-man like you can be the hero you can be everything you want for them but they still won't care about you he's like so imagine what we can do together because we both are these like unstoppable forces you know Mm -hmm. and i think it's just i think he's got that power and it just doesn't it's just gone to his head you know there's i and i like that about a villain though i think some villains have to have that kind of just pure chaos momentum Mm. there is a great uh you know when you find a villain that's got a great backstory who they were probably they they were trying to be good people but turned villain that's a great perspective but i think maybe for this one since it wasn't so explained i think it just kind of went straight into it
1: um it worked out really good deal yeah it it's it's cool to have a a villain who's just pure chaos and I think I just feel like I feel like they should have done something more to to build up like the power hungry aspect of his character. I think then it would have made a whole lot more sense um I just feel like they weren't really invested too much in why Norman's doing what he's doing um uh, and, yeah. and that was a lesson they obviously learned because even in in no way home too with Norman especially like his motivation makes so much more sense in that movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that bothers me in no way home is that, uh, him and, uh, Tom McGuire Maguire
1: actually don't talk that. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and, uh, I found myself missing that too. When Cause there's also, and it, it's, it's one of those things it's touched on very briefly in this movie. The fact that Peter is the son that Norman always wanted. We yeah. get a few hints of that here and there, like when he first meets Peter and then, um, later on when, after they move in together and he's, he's offering Peter a chance to... And Peter says, I want to make my own way. And Norman's, you know, very mm-hmm. respectful of the fact that Peter's doing it on his own, doesn't want any help. Um, and there's this kind of subtle indication that he resents Harry a little bit because Harry's always relying on his father.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And then at the end, when, um, when they're, they have that confrontation scene in the final battle, when he says, I've been like a father to you, be a son to me. Like, I feel like that is the motivation there, but... <laughs> You have to bring in the fact that he knows that Peter is Spider-Man earlier. And and I feel like if I was doing a rewrite of this script, I would probably have the the spiders be engineered by Oscorp and have Norman figure it out a lot earlier than he does. And that kind of being the momentum, the fact that Peter has this strength that he always wanted in the sun, um that Harry doesn't have. But it, it's it's one of those aspects that it's not really played up as strong as I think it could have been. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think one last thing I really wanted to touch on here, and that is the uh I think hands down, I think the my favorite performances throughout all these movies is and the one actor that I don't think you could ever replace, and that's JK Simmons as uh J. Jonah oh, James. Yeah, of
2: course. <laughs> Consistent throughout everything. Um <clears throat> well yeah, I mean obviously he's got the look down, he's got the voice down, he's got the attitude down. Um he it, it, very from the start with part one, it's just established that he's, you know, J. Jonah Jameson. And it's just oh, it's just such a treat to see him, you know, on screen and yelling and at, at Spider-Man and all that stuff. And then and then I love I think in part one, my favorite part with him would be uh where he's like. Uh, I think he I think he's for a second, he's like maybe doubting or he's. He, he's thinking maybe he got spider-man wrong mm-hmm. and then like and then there's something that happens and uh oh goblin comes yeah goblin crashes into the office and and he's like taunting uh jameson he's like where's spider-man and then spider-man comes and he's like "Oh, i knew you two were together <laughs> and he's like you know like it's for a second right before all that happens he's kind of like you know maybe spider-man's a good guy or something and uh and then when he sees spider-man confront goblin he's like i knew you two were in together he's like uh he's like shut it Mm -hmm. jameson webs his mouth and whatnot but uh dude it's just perfect portrayal you know and it's such a it's such a treat that we got to see him back in uh the newer movies you know one thing i missed about um, it though is
1: he they gotta get they gotta bring the flat top back
2: dude they have to that is the one thing that's a little bit of a bummer about he's just got he doesn't have that look anymore Mm -hmm. i mean exact look anymore but uh but yeah, no, he's uh I you can't ask for a better uh J. Jonah Jameson. I mean yeah, I he's he's perfect.
1: Yeah, the one of the things that still cracks me up is when um when Peter's like, he's like, You can't say that stuff about him. That's slander's like, no, it's not. He's like, Slander's spoken in print it's libel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. But um yeah. but also one of the things I like too about it is they give him that moment where um it shows that he's got another side to him. Like like you said, in that scene when he when Goblin comes after him you know, and he says, "Where's who's the photographer who takes pictures of Spider Man?" Right? Jonah mm-hmm. comes in. He he defends Peter. Right? He says, "Like I don't know. His stuff yeah. comes in through the mail. It's a very small beat, yeah. but it's it, it shows that even despite this, you know, tough attitude, he's got this softer side to him."
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, he definitely. There's there's little moments of that throughout the whole trilogy. Uh, I can't remember which movie it is. I think I think it's part three though. But I mean. He's he's wanting to take a photo and uh, he takes a little girl's camera. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sam Raimi's (laughs) daughter actually in that scene. Oh, is that really? (laughs) It's funny. Um, But yeah, no, he just has little moments that are they're just uh, not so harsh, but it's heartwarming. And at at the same time, it's true to his character and everything. I mean, uh... it's
1: really telling that in amazing Spider-Man, too, because they couldn't get Simmons back, but they didn't want to replace him. So they just have him communicate with Peter through email oh uh, yeah 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 so it would have been interesting
2: to see how far they would have went with the amazing mm-hmm. spider-man series Cause i know they had such a plan with that yeah. whole franchise of andrew garfield i don't know if they would have been able to bring him back or what but it is nice to know that uh I, i'll never forget watching uh far from home that end credit scene where jay Joma jameson pops back up and i was like
1: I lost my yes. shit in the
2: theater when I saw that. Yeah. I know, I did too. I was like, ah, God.
1: So it was so perfect that he,
2: he was able to come back from No Way Home. And,
1: it, you know, it's obvious he clearly loves this character because he's voiced the character in a bunch of other stuff, like the Spider-Man video game, a lot of the, yeah, the animated yeah. shows. He's come back to do the voice. And yeah. it's just such a treat. And I hope they, like, I, 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 in some ways I like what they, I like the kind of like Alex Jones version that they used in the MCU. But at the same time, I do kind of miss the the J. Jonah Jameson, who is like, you know, at his heart, he is a he is a decent guy. And so I would wish you could bring some more of that back. I'm not sure how they can. I mean, you know, now that we're going to get into multiversal stuff, maybe there can be some some stuff that happens after the after Secret Wars and all that, where they can fiddle with the timeline and stuff. Um, Yeah, well, I took the modern approach
2: too, where he he, you know, he's he's doing his news from a green screen, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like. It it's not like the Daily Bugle as we know right. it. Right. Um traditionally. Mm. So it's it's interesting how they kind of very much modernized his character yeah. in it. Um so to see if we see him back, hopefully we do, to see what they do with him, that'll be interesting. But I think he'll always be open to it if uh if they want you know, if they want him in it. Yeah. Because I, like you said, I think he I think he loves the character and he he's he's just got that he's
1: got the iconic name and role Mm -hmm. to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing too, I found out when I'm watching this movie is, and I couldn't, this is not a criticism of the movie. It's just more how technology has changed. But the, um, the mask on the costume is, you know, at the time, you know, we thought, well, there's no way you can have the eyes move, right? It, it, it works fine in a comic book because there's, you know, it's, it's art, it's interpretation, it's, But when you're watching it on screen, you know, you got to have those kind of fixed lenses thing. Although now that we've seen it in, in the MCU movies where they had the, the mechanical lenses and they can move. I find myself missing that so much in these movies now, because Uh, it it adds so much to the character to to his characterization, his performance as Spider-Man when the, when the eyes can move.
2: It is nice. Um, I do like it. I do like the, the new suits, uh, the new, the mechanical eyes, especially, um, I guess I try, you know, it just goes back to the nostalgic. Mm -hmm. When you're watching these old movies, you're like, this is what Spider Man was back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, This is how it started at all. And to kind of just, for me, again, it's just like, it kind of goes back to that comfort level of like, man, I remember watching these movies like religiously growing up Mm -hmm. and just feeling like this was what a superhero movie was. There was nothing else to stand, you know, put it by standards because, you know, you're watching these movies and you're thinking like, this is the best superhero movie to date Mm -hmm. nothing can top this and then once the mcu rolls in you know everything changed really um but uh it's uh it is it it would i guess it would it would be cool to see like some of that modern tech now Mm -hmm. with the maybe some of those grounded materials because i think there's some they did something so right back in the day that sometimes I do think the MCU is lacking, you know, I think sometimes the MCU lacks some sort of the grounded um, levels of uh, emotion, story and everything. And I just think uh, maybe if there was a perfect blend of all that, that would, that'd be really nice to see. But, um, but yeah, it's, no, I, I, I agree with you. I do like the mechanical eyes and and everything. Uh, I, I love, I love seeing the new Spider-Man now. I think it's Mm -hmm. when you watch Spider-Man in his modern day suit, Fighting and everything. I mean, it you you feel like, man, this is Spider Man. This mm-hmm. is classic, like from the comics, Spider Man. It's great.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, and one of the thing, one of the great things that I think this movie did, and you know, Feige worked on these movies too, so I think it's clear he was taking yeah. a lot of notes when he was working with raimi Is you don't get to the MCU without first going through Spider Man and Spider Man Two. Like those movies for really sure. kind of set the tone for what the MCU would be.
2: Yeah yeah for sure um yeah there's definitely like even you're looking you could you could take the first two spider-man movies and whatever superhero franchise you're Mm -hmm. looking at you could take those two movies and just kind of use it as a template or an example just to kind of see like how to build a character how to build an overall story uh and establishing a world and then expand from there you know um yeah i mean x-men i thought did a really great job i still love the original x2 is even better mm-hmm. um but spider-man i think just blew x-men out of the water their their first spider-man and then spider-man 2 i still it's like a chef's kiss yeah and it's yeah. just one of the best it's one of the best movies of all time as far as superhero
1: movies go oh absolutely yeah um, i and, mean i think and, oh sorry go yeah. ahead i'll just say
2: like what you said kevin feige being a part of even those early roots with those earlier marvel movies before mcu was even formed i mean you could just now, knowing that he did that and seeing the m c u you're like yeah he he was taking notes all mm-hmm. along, like he knew what he wanted to do
1: in the future, oh yeah absolutely and and yeah these these movies and they also they struck the right balance because you had up until the m c u you really kind of had like these two different types of directors when it came to superhero movies, you had people who were not at all a fan of the movies but could still make pretty good products like Tim Burton, like, um, Brian Singer. Then you had on the other end, you had people who were, who were really big fans, but almost to the detriment of what they were trying to do with the movies, like Mark Steven Johnson who did Daredevil and Ghost Rider or Tim Story who did the Fantastic Four films. Like their, their excitement as fans to be doing this almost kind of overrode the needs of a good movie raimi struck yes. that balance right he had that balance between okay i'm a fan but i still understand that i've got to hold back some of my fan enthusiasm to make a good movie and
2: yeah and, for sure and that's
1: that kind of balance is really kind of what feige seems to be looking for in directors with the mcu
2: yeah it's totally it, yeah you can totally see that um and for the most part in the MCU, it is, uh, it has worked very, mm-hmm. very well. Um, Sam Raimi, and I think that's why Sam Raimi was even brought back for Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a well known director before Spider Man. He did an amazing job on Spider Man. He did great movies after Spider Man. And he's, he's just one of those guys that he, he treats, um, any kind of project with, uh, the integrity of the art mm. and the storyline and the lore of everything that's going on too. But I mean, he's going to give it his own style and flair and, and make sure he's doing a great job for, you know, the audiences also, but I mean, Dr. Strange. Um, I thought I, I love Dr. Mm. Strange multiverse of madness. I thought it's such a Sam Raimi flick, but it is so fun and colorful and comic book, you know, craziness. I thought it was great, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's nice to see that, yeah, he just he just laid an example out, I think, mm-hmm. like you said, because you can watch the Fantastic Four and Ghost Rider and uh, I mean, Ghost Rider is pretty bad mm. uh, now <laughs> watching it. But like Fantastic Four is a little forgiving every once in a while. But yeah. like, but I think it's just one of those things, like you said, it's like they were probably too much of a fan mm-hmm. to because they overlooked a lot of flaws And we don't know. You know, Hollywood, I know, in studios are always, you know, cutting corners on things. Right. And, you know, the writing on things or. It's everything's just butchered in the end. But um so that could have been a very much of a mm-hmm. effect to it as well. But just to just to see that we even got even and I'll even give Brian Singer props with X Men. Um just to see those two kind of franchises mm-hmm. do that well and have that balance of some fan uh treatment and grounded storytelling and make sure it's a franchise, mm-hmm. like that that's all you can really ask for in those early days of uh, superhero movies.
1: Well, so I think um, when you mentioned Dr. Strange, I mean, first off, you know, what a, what a joy for Raimi because he said like growing up his two favorite characters were Spider-Man and Dr. Strange and he got yeah, to put his stamp yeah. on the movies for both of those characters. Um, yeah, but also sure. I think I feel like Dr. Strange as a character is just so much more suited to Ramy's style of directing than Spider-Man oh, is yeah. like it, you know, it, it really allows him to kind of flex those horror muscles he had developed with the evil dead stuff. And, and to bring in that, that kind of like slapstick, comedy aspect he has with stuff like you know evil dead 2 army of darkness and um drag me to hell he can use he can lean on those very really heavily. and you can see i feel like multiverse of madness was maybe a little bit hampered with all the the you know mcu stuff they had to do with it and i would like to i hope he comes back to do a third dr strange movie and it really gets yeah. to be just like a pure dr strange movie because i think he's gonna knock that out of the park for sure, I mean they're so caught up in the multiverse mm-hmm. right saga right now.
2: Like you said, like pretty much every movie on the MCU's map right now is tied into that somehow. But you can definitely see in the uh, multiverse madness like direct influences mm-hmm. from Drag Me to Hell and Evil Dead and everything. And it, it is such a ramy flick. Like I watched it in theaters, and I was like, this might need to be rated R. It's <laughs> just yeah. like, like this is like touching there. You know, it's getting to that point. But what I love about um the original raimi trilogy also i can't remember if it's one or two i think it's two maybe but he you know he's like what do we name the villain and he's like dr strange he's like no that's Taylor. oh yeah and it's like that was a spider-man two, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah okay but i i i watched that i don't know it was just years later when i watched it, i was like ah I was like, that's just such a you know it's it's so cool and then and then obviously after he watched or after you uh after he directed dr strange multiverse of madness it's like that's that's just really cool mm-hmm. like you said he always wanted to do spider-man dr strange and he got to do both and he even uh did an easter egg of dr strange name mm-hmm. in the original yeah. uh spider-man trilogy it's great <laughs> all
1: right um i think that's all just that to be said about uh spider-man any final thoughts you want to mention about it
2: no it's just a great movie man i mean it's a great comfort movie I would even argue it could be a Thanksgiving movie just with the Thanksgiving uh, theme around it, uh, with the parade and the dinner and everything. Um, but no, it's a great movie. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot of, obviously some stuff you could argue with or, um, whatever there's, maybe it's outdated on certain Mm -hmm. things and whatnot. But, um, but when you look at it, like as far as starting the roadmap of who Spider-Man is and, and how movies can be, uh, it's, it's just, it's, Perfect in in mm-hmm. a sense, you know. It's it's really just set the way. Um, Tom McGuire Maguire is uh he will always be my he will always be a number one Spider Man for me. I just love I just love Tom Maguire so much, you know. Um yeah,
1: it's a great movie, man. Sam Raimi, you gotta love him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it you know, even um with the criticisms we brought up here, I think more of this movie works than doesn't. And it's mostly for sure for the most part, like I'd say like ninety ninety five percent of it still holds up after time to- after all this time. Oh yeah. All right, um thanks for coming on, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh so why appreciate it. Why don't you tell people where they can find your stuff?
2: Yeah, uh thanks again, man. Uh so you can find me through Strange Film Studios. Um, we've got an Instagram. I like to promote Strange Film Studios uh on YouTube. You can check us out. And uh we do have a Facebook page, it's pretty uh popular on Facebook, but strangefilmstudios.com is where you'll be able to find Uh, All the stuff we do. I mean, all our comic books are on there. All of our films are on there. Our podcast links are on there. uh, Any merch or anything like that, too. Uh, But yeah, check out our films. I mean, we're I mean, if you like, uh, like I said, we're pretty much influenced by pop culture, superheroes and 70s, 80s horror and stuff like that. So if you like anything like that, you'll you, you might like something that we're doing, but it's all for free. Anytime you can watch it on YouTube and our website. Uh, so strange film studios. All right.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot. And, uh, I checked out the website while we were having some of our, uh, little difficulties before and it looks really <laughs> cool. So, um, thanks man.
2: appreciate
1: it. Uh, so yeah, we'll have the link to that in the show notes. Uh, that does it for this episode of superhero cinephiles, superhero cinephiles.com is the website, super cinema pod on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, now that Elon Musk is apparently slowly destroying Twitter, I am on hive, um, just under my regular okay. name, uh, per Constantine per Constantine. So, um, I haven't figured out how to make two accounts on that yet. So I'm just posting superhero cinephile stuff under my regular name there. Um, but yeah, and don't forget patreoncom slash pod. If you subscribe for as little as a dollar a month, you get these episodes a week in advance and you also get the companion show once a month where we talk about, uh, comic books, graphic novels, all that fun stuff. Um, and uh, please make sure, if you haven't, if even if you're a subscriber, if you want to help support the show, uh, give us a review on iTunes. Rate and review, uh, it always helps us out. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.